Thanks to Squarespace for supporting today's show. With the help of Squarespace, tackling your next move might not be as difficult as it seems. Whether you're hoping to start a business, change careers, launch a new creative project, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform from which to make your next big idea known to the world. And with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating your website is a simple, intuitive process. And I can say that because I use Squarespace and it is so easy. I've always found the idea of making a website very, very intimidating. Not anymore because of Squarespace. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. That's CG, like me, Chris Gethard, squarespace.com. Trying to tell your story to the world? MailChimp can help for free. They've got gorgeous pre-designed email templates. You can also code your own it's not as hard as it sounds. I hear the word code. I run in the other direction. But guess what? I've been using MailChimp for years, and I've done this, and it is simple and easy. MailChimp shows you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email, or click delete. They can also help you find your people and grow your business. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. More at MailChimp.com. Hello to all the undercover kingpins out there. It's Beautiful Anonymous, one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. It's Gethard. I'm back in New York. You may have noticed last week's episode, I didn't have like a recap like we've been doing. I was on vacation. I'd never go on vacations. Went to the Dominican Republic and chilled out. Not my strong point, chilling out. I went and did it, but I'm happy to be back. I didn't get to mention the feedback on the uh, Power Grid episode from a couple weeks ago. A strangely divisive episode. A lot of people who were very angry that I spent close to 28 minutes talking about the intricacies of a Power Grid. And then a handful of people who were like, hell yeah. I'm a nerd. You talked about infrastructure. Power grid it up all day, baby. That was a fascinating one. And it was fun. Last week's episode, Bisexual Brahmin, very well received. And I'm glad you guys out there liked it. Uh, Someone named Sherry, Sherry Wilson in the Facebook group says, I'm a first generation Indian American. It was so neat to hear about Indian culture from the caller's perspective. Enjoyed his candor about his father and how backward yet endearing Indian culture can be at sometimes. I could have listened to this guy talk all day. P.S. I love that he was nice enough not to call out Chris for butchering the pronunciation of dosa. It's dosa. And I still don't. I may be, I may be butchering it now as I read yours, but thank you for that. And uh, a lot of people telling me that the term coconut is very common in many communities of color. And uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. I'm glad you guys liked that one. Also... The caller called my mom Sally a legend, and she texted me and said, it's good to be a legend, which is one of the more badass things my mom has ever communicated to me. So thank you, caller, for making Sally feel good. And guess what? Sally is becoming a cult figure among the uh, beautiful anonymous community. Many people asking me if Sally can co-host an episode. I can almost guarantee she would never in a million years want to do that. She has asked me explicitly to leave her out of my comedy. But I will tell you, if you're a Sally fan, you go to Earwolf.com, you click on the shop link, you go to the store. There's a Sorry Sally t-shirt and it's selling like hotcakes, baby. It sold out a large the first day we launched. They're ordering more larges up right now. You get that Sorry Sally t-shirt, you go out, you wear it in public, somebody will say, oh, I like that podcast too. And then you talk and we all, and you'll say, I'm also the type of person that thinks empathy should never die. 
I'm, I'm also a supporter of empathy and compassionate conversation. Let's talk. And maybe you call me together with your hour-long story about that time you met in a bar. Anyway, this week's episode, you'll see. Good, pleasant conversation. It goes in a lot of different directions. Uh, young guy figuring it out. I'll tell you on my end, one of the reasons I really wanted to drop this one out there is something comes along partway through the episode. And it is a story that, to me, kind of came out of nowhere. And I haven't stopped thinking about it since I had this conversation. It's a story about immigration and crime and those things crossing over. And I know I'm not trying to spoil anything. I know that that might be what's well. I'm telling you the story. It's it gets a little nuts. And 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 most of the call is not about that. But th- that is the one where I was like, I, I got to put that in the world and see the see what kind of comes back at me on that one. And it's a cool story and a, and a, and an intense story and a story that's very intense to the level where even the caller doesn't quite know everything that happened in a very cool way. So I wanted to put it out there. I do also want to say too, because it is about immigration, that's a hot button topic. I think I think a lot of people, the large majority of people will listen to this and go, crazy story, man. And then that'll be the extent of the reaction. I'm sure there's some people out there who in the current climate might say, see, that's the thing. Immigration and crime go hand in hand. I don't think that that's not why I want to include this story. I think there's another side of the coin, which is that immigration can at times be so um, hard to navigate and terrifying that that people have to find back channels to 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 live their dream. And and I say that as someone, I'm not trying to make it about me. My grandfather moved from Northern Ireland in 1928. Not cool. I visited his village this year. The schools are still segregated. Like my family immigrated from a place where there was religious persecution, where there were no jobs. I am very much. On the uh, and I'm pro-immigrant, and not that that you have to feel it. You can react however you feel like to this episode. You know that, but I just wanted to, since it is a divisive thing, put my two cents out right at the top, so everybody knows where I stand. Again, not telling you how you have to react at all. Enjoy the episode. React however you feel like it. It's up to you. Anyway, it's a good call, and then at some point it really goes into gear and gets nuts. You'll enjoy it. I think enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hey. Is, is this Chris? Yeah. What's up, man? Cool. Um, how's you guys going? Uh, it's, how honest do you want me to be? It, it's going good. It's going all right. I, uh, I got back from London yesterday. I was there for two weeks, and then my wife and I are getting some renovations done on the house, which I've never done that. And so, so I landed from London, and we just spent like twelve hours packing stuff. And I'm a little tired. It's my honest answer. How are nice. you? How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. Uh, it's it's weird how when you ask somebody like, "How's it going?" You, it's people are expected to say like, oh, "I'm I'm okay" or <laughs> yeah. "I'm good." You. Yeah. Anybody who calls this show, you ask me how I'm doing, you're gonna get the real deal. You're here. I'm very tired, and I'm stressed out. That. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if I'm being honest, I'm I'm kind of leaning closer to that too. I think. What's going on? Uh, just, uh, just a, some. I mean, minor stuff, really. Uh, looking to go back to school and applications and balancing that with work and hobbies and other stuff. Just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, 25. 20. Oh yeah. So you, couple years, you took a couple years off from school. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was in and out and, uh, kind of, you know, uh, going through some mental health stuff and then 
trying to work that out. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I can finally go back and finish, do what I need to do. That's cool. Yeah, getting back in the ring, that's a... uh... That's not the easiest thing to do. That's a very commendable. Congrats. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was wondering, um, as far as like, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you even want to talk about this. Uh, cause I, I went to your show, uh, in uh, here in New York. All right. Oh, it gave away where I'm at. I, maybe I should okay. have done that. Um, New York. It's, I feel like if there's one city where you can say where you're in and it's, and it, it doesn't narrow things down at all. New York, man. It's millions, millions of us. Yeah. How, how did how did it go in London? I'm sure it went. Uh, I mean, the same kind of audiences, different. I don't... Very different. Very nice. Um, you know, first of all, many many people after the show who were like beautiful anonymous fans, which was rad for me because like I haven't really been on the road so much in the past year. I've been really pretty locked down in New York with the career suicide run and the, the the Gethard show films here so it's cool people came out they're like I listen to the podcast so that was nice as far as the audiences go I thought in England that with socialized medicine they'd, there'd probably be like less barriers of entry to seeing a shrink turns out they're not fans of male vulnerability in England. They're not. The idea of a, of a, of a vulnerable male say, as soon as I started bringing up like, hey, I take medications and there's a bunch of side effects. People, yeah, I could feel the crowds. Like I could just, I felt, and again, to everyone who came out, so much joy, so much love, not trying to downplay the experience. It was a great experience, but you all were in the room. Anybody who was there and saw my run at the solo, you know, like, everybody, as soon as I said, like, I'm on medications and they had some weird side effects. Here's what those were. I could just feel the assholes tightening up, man. I could just feel people going, oh, like, no. I could feel people going, we don't talk about that stuff here, man. So I don't know. It was, uh, it was interesting to wrap my head around in a challenge and, and, you know, had to like figure out how to get those jokes to land in like a slightly different environment. But overall, Good trip. Cool trip, man. Hello? Did we lose this guy? Uh-oh. I hit mute with my face. Ah! I don't know how I, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I hit mute with my face. You know you did just create an instant catchphrase among the... Uh, among the fans of this, <laughs> you understand that I hit mute with my face is going like if anybody ever makes like a soundboard of drops from this show, you know that's like number one. <laughs> I hit, you're the I hit mute with my face guy. Oh no, this is not how I wanted to. I guess all right. <laughs> ah, oh, I'll take it. I hit mute with my face. That happens to all of us sometimes, man. I feel really bad. My mom doesn't know this. And a big, big sorry, Sally. There was, there was one time I was on the phone with my mom, and she kept uh, not hearing me. And I think she actually, like, got real mad and, like, maybe, like, got a new phone provider. And then I later realized no. I had just been hitting mute on and off with my face. <laughs> and my mom went through, like, a lot of drama. She's like, I'm done with this. There's, Tired of dealing with this I, phone. I got a round face. I don't know. It just it round, happens. Like the Pringles guy. You got a round face like like the Pringles guy. I saw. I took a, a thing, like a one of those weird BuzzFeed surveys one time. I was just like, what kind of face do you have? And it just like gave a bunch of like different, like I first started with shapes and then it went to like gave you people's faces and like, do you feel like you're similar to this face? And then, so my face is, uh, I think it was oblong 
obtuse, something like that. I don't, I don't something <laughs> weird like that. Oblong obtuse. I don't even want to know what yeah. mine was. Mine would just be like if I. Mine would just be like mostly forehead. That would be my. That's what they would just. <laughs> the survey would just say mostly forehead. That would be it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are what are we? I, it's, I, I feel, and I think everyone who calls feels this sort of like, I have all these things to talk about and I'm so ready to do it. And the second you get on, you're just hitting blanks, just blanks are, are coming to you. That's okay. We're only seven minutes in, man. And hey, I promise you this, I'll get it out of you. I'll, everybody knows, I'll, whatever it's supposed to be, I'll get it out of you. I'm getting cocky about this one. I'll, I'll get it out of you. It happens. Well, just have a good con- well, fun right. conversation. Seven minutes in, and you've provided me with one of my biggest laughs in the history of the show. The guy who accidentally muted the phone with his own face. We were like, <laughs> Jared, how close would you say we were to just hanging up on that call? Five. You were five seconds out from getting hung up on, dude. Oh wow! Wow. All right. Well, now I got to feel like I got to earn it. Got to earn nah, this call now. You don't have to do anything. You, you just like, here's here's a question. Can I? I'll, I'll ask you a question that maybe will help spur things. What okay. uh, what what spurred you to drop out of school? You said it was some mental health stuff. I'm sorry to hear that. But also, what are those years like? Like those years when you, once you do drop out? Because I've I've run off at my mouth over the years and said like, I, I'm I've always kind of been of the opinion of like if you go to college and you're feeling directionless and you like if, if like if you want to go if you're going to be an engineer yeah you need college you definitely do if you're going to be you know if there's like a if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, yes, you need it. But if you're like, I went and got an American studies degree and I didn't know what I wanted in life. And I, I've i always said like it's hitting a point to me where it's like maybe don't deal with – like don't get $100,000 in debt until you figure it out. But that's just me spouting off at the mouth. And I did graduate in four years, so who am I to say? What is it like? What was the process of dropping out like? What were those years what, – what have those years been like since? Why are you deciding to get back into it? Oh man, it's it's been kind of a a whirlwind a, a little bit. Um, well, I guess I should say I, I went to school in Florida um, and uh, for engineering, actually, mm-hmm. uh, civil engineering, and uh, I was doing that for about uh, three years. And uh, started my fourth year, and I was I was working like a, a forty hour. Like uh, not only like thirty five hour job uh, for like the the Tampa Water Department, uh, and also going to school full time, and they just hit a moment where I just felt like I'm doing a lot of stuff, and I'm also hating everything that I'm doing. Uh, but it's taking up so much of my time that I'm not really paying attention to how I feel about it. If that if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kept trucking through, and then there was just a moment, um, I guess, like mid mid first semester of the fourth year, where I just like I packed up all my stuff, uh, drove home back to where I was living at the time, um, like where my family is at, uh, with, and uh, I didn't tell my bosses, any of my professors. I just left and told my family, like I don't. I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And wow. the, it, yeah, and they they freaked out immediately um, because it's sort of just been this I think idea that I was going to be like a scientist or an engineer or a doctor, and then I was going to do that, and then I don't know 
move us all to like, uh, I'm trying to think of a rich part of the world and I, don't, I can't draw blanks. Um, but yeah, so we, I did that and, um, I, my family was immediately like, go see a doctor. And, uh, I, I went and saw a doctor and the doctor was like, you seem depressed. And then they, I, I think, yeah, that I agree. And, uh, he, he put me on some Prozac and the, which later find out that that actually made me suicidal. That, uh, oh boy. And it's a, it's a, it's a common thing for people to get, uh, who are feeling depressed when they get put on Prozac that they have suicidal ideations. And that happened. And, uh, I eventually ended up being hospitalized. And that was sort of like the beginning of, uh, I think now four years of like on and off treatments with different medication and, um, yeah. Yeah. Damn, man. Sorry, you dealt with all that. And I'm a big, I'm like a big proponent of medications and, and, uh, talking more freely about them, but they, they can have some nasty side effects if they, you know, it's one of those things too. Prozac helps a lot of people, but then if it, some of these things hit you the wrong way, it can go in a dark direction. Are you, you find that you respond, are, are you on different meds now? Like are you responding better or did you? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I've been on, I think at this point, like maybe 15 different kinds of medication. Wow. Uh, they, I, I, right after that one, they started me on Wellbutrin and. That's my uh, shit. I'm on, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. on Wellbutrin. That's my shit. I like it. Been yeah, it's pretty years. good. They, it actually used to be used to wean uh, smokers off yeah. of uh, smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's, uh, it's big in this community. So yeah, I was doing that for a while. Then uh, Respital. I was on that for a while. That's the heavy duty stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then after a little bit of that, they like they found out that I I might be bipolar, so we started doing uh, some bipolar medication. Um, but then I had all these weird side effects that they were that I wasn't happy with, and the doctors weren't happy with, I guess either. Um, that's the weird thing about sometimes the side effects. Like you need more medication for the side effects that you're experiencing from some medication. I think it's maybe a new system. Um, yeah. yeah, I was having really bad uh, um, insomnia for a while from one of the medications I was taking. And I needed to take like sleep medication um, for that. But then I'd be really drowsy. So then I'd end up uh, either drinking a lot of coffee or like uh, wanting to not take the medication that made me initially like uh insomniatic i guess yeah it's it's been hard um sort of finding the right medication to be on uh i've read a lot of things about different people who they don't get on medication that they need for long periods of time because they just it's just it interferes so much with their daily routine um and just i guess I think maybe a big, I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I feel like a big component was sort of, um, necessarily, I guess, I don't know if it was me talking or my therapist talking, I don't know, but, uh, like wanting to be depressed, like sort of yeah. having this, uh, like the depression being a thing that like wants to live. So like anything that fights it or, 
puts it down, uh, I guess would, um, would, would want to not be there. Yeah, it's nasty. And I, I'll say, can I just say too, man, I really commend you because I feel like it. the very easy option is to go, oh, I'm getting all these these side, these like intense side effects. It's affected my life. I'm going to walk away from this and just go back to that life where I was suffering. That's the easy one. The hard thing, the really hard thing is to go through that process 15 times to find the one that, that works for you. That's hard work and intimidating work. It affects your body, your mind, your energy, all this stuff. So I really commend you because that's the uh, that's a fight that's really hard to keep going, and you did it, and I think that's cool. I appreciate that. Thanks, thanks. Yep. Uh, I feel like I'm talking too much about like you know mental health stuff. Maybe uh, something happier, or I don't know. Hey, this or calls your call. You want to throw some happy stuff at me? You want to walk me through that way that you were. Uh, Working yourself to the bone through college, hit a wall, your life fell apart, led to years of you being hospitalized <laughs> on medications. Hey, if you want to go happier, we can go happier. Whatever you want. Tell me something happy. <laughs> something happy. Um, okay, happy. Let's see. Um, in, a, in a relationship for a healthy one for like the first time in a long time, I guess. Nice. Yeah. And that was, uh, it, it was weird. Like, uh, you were talking about how, um, the audiences in London, you know, and medication and stuff and the way they were reacting. I was always really scared to sort of bring somebody into my world because of that and like have them know that about me. So it's, and she's, she's been super cool and like super chill about it and understands uh, it completely and doesn't judge me or make me feel less of a person, which um, I think I think it's it's been really great. That's really happy about that. Cool. Congrats. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, we <laughs> we met on Tinder. Uh, Hell yeah, dog. <laughs> but I've noticed that we've always been kind of weird about telling, or maybe just me. I've been weird about telling people that, um, I, I, I sort of tell people we, we got at her job, like, because we did, I, we were talking on tender for a little bit and then I, uh, she invited me to get a drink and then she said she was at work. She's like, come to my work. And I, and I went and we met there. So I felt like that's where we actually met. So that's what I, I tell people, but really it was, you know, on, on tender. She works someplace like um, public, like public. Yeah, she was. Well, at the time, she like was, service industry or something. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was working at an ice cream shop. Oh, that's, and um, for some reason, that immediately makes me like her. She's like, "Come meet me at the yeah, ice cream yeah. shop. We'll start things off. This whole relationship will begin with whimsy and fun." Yeah, she gave me a free ice cream sandwich, and oh, the first date. Your first date kicked off with a free ice cream sandwich. Yep. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. We're going to go ahead and pause it right there because I'm going to tell you, I can't imagine a better thing to happen on a first date than a free ice cream sandwich. Because even if the date don't go good, you got an ice cream sandwich. I'm going to wrap my head around that. I bet you want to wrap your head around it too. But you know what we'll all do as we're thinking about the wonder of that on the first date? We're going to hear from our advertisers who help make this show happen. We'll be right back with more call. It's the winter. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. 
I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem like it's just me. It seems like there's a lot of folks around right now feeling a bit down. And that's why I'm excited to introduce our sponsor this week, Talkspace. If you ever thought about going to therapy, which I am a big proponent of, but you found it too inconvenient or maybe expensive or, you know, there's stigmas out there. Maybe it's just too embarrassing for you to walk into an office. Like maybe that's still in your head. That's a sad fact. That's how it is sometimes. Give Talkspace a try. Talkspace is the online therapy company and they make it easy to connect with a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can text, audio, and video message your therapist as much as you want. Your Talkspace therapist can listen to the event about work or family, help you explore your relationships with the people around you, or help put you on the path to a happier life. To sign up or to learn more, go to Talkspace.com beautiful. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code beautiful to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this podcast. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace, which I use and which I have found lives up to every promise they have ever made. If you've resolved to take on a new challenge like starting a business or changing careers or launching a creative project in 2017, you got to lock down your next move. With Squarespace, Squarespace is used by a wide range of people and businesses, including musicians, designers, artists, restaurants, all sorts of people and establishments. Squarespace allows you to create everything from a professional blog to a portfolio from which to showcase your work or an online store where you can be open for business officially. You even get a unique domain to set you apart in your field. Plus, look, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website, it's a simple, intuitive process. I do it myself, and I'm not good at things like this, and they've made it very easy. If you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical, trivial-seeming. No such thing as a dumb question, as they say. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. That's CG, as in Chris Gethard, me, CG, cool giraffe, as some of you call me, for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Thank you so much to our many kind advertisers. They help us bring you this show for free. And uh, now let's hear more from this young man. Your first day kicked off with a free ice cream sandwich? Yep. Ooh, yeah. That's nice. That's nice. And, uh, <laughs> she, uh, we, we had a date right after, went and had some drinks and went to like a karaoke bar and, uh, just, it was, it was a great time and we just kept dating and now we're, we're here. We're not, we're not that, uh, we're like six months in. It's not, you know, super. It's cool. still kind of new, but it was like a great first date. What song? What was your first song in front of her? What was her first song in front of you at that karaoke bar? Oh, we actually didn't get to sing. We were there for like two hours, and the line, <laughs> I guess, was so long. We just, <laughs> yeah, we just, we just heard other people sing, which is still fun. I think it's <laughs> um, a good date. What was it? Any song? Any any like song you guys still bring up? You like? Oh, remember when that? Uh, and that dude in the trench coat got up there and sang uh, in sync, and no one saw it. the guy who was there by himself got up and sang in sync, and none of us saw it come. We all thought he was going to sing Nine Inch Nails, anything like that. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that, but we we were both pretty drunk at that point. We was a long day. It was like a six hour date. Yeah. And 
by the end of it, we were both pretty drunk. So like, we don't really remember a whole lot from the end. Um, but it was, it was still, it was still good. Uh, That's we actually, cool. We always talk about, yeah, we always talk about going to karaoke because of that day. Like we should do, finally do it. And we, we never, we never do it. We should, we should though. I really enjoy karaoke. I tell you, I like the private room myself because it avoids the situation of the long line and the, the very, uh, very the the very well known thing of you got to tip the DJ to get your song up to the front of the line. You, 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 I didn't know this. I did not. You want to sing a song? You need to tip the karaoke DJ. You slip when you write down your. If you write down that piece of paper, if you write down a song on that little piece of paper, and you just give them that little piece of paper, there. You know what they're thinking? Where's the other piece of paper? Where's that green piece of paper? <laughs> That Washington. Oh man, man. I gotta. You really, you really want to sing? You you do a two buck. You do you you put that piece of paper with the two bucks. Guess what? Third, you're third in the queue at that point, my friend. Oh, yeah. But that's why I I like the private. You get a bunch of friends together. You go in the private room. It's just you guys. That's nice. Jump up and down on those on the. They got these like leather. They're like not leather, but like polyester. What is that? What am I thinking of? Not polyester. Cheap, you know. Couches that line the room, you jump up and down on the couches until the staff comes in and is like, hey, you got to do that. And then you try to convince the staff to sing along with you, like uh, With or Without You by U2. It's fun. Private room is fun. Any hoots. I've been to those, though. They have a kind of strippy, strip club-ish vibe to them. Not that I go to those. I don't go to strip clubs. I'm actually assuming that's what strip clubs are like. I don't don't know. (laughs) You think your assumption of strip clubs is that they're um, free of nude, free of nude people, and you can sing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I do know what you mean. That has this weird, like loungy, like low rent loungy aspect to it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So I gotta say, it sounds like you've been through some tough stuff, but it sounds like you got this girl who's really cool. The past six months, I also like how you said that your family straight up was like, you know what, you need to see a doctor. That sounds cool. That sounds like you got a good support network. The family, the girlfriend. That sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and not just I'm not. I don't want to like say anything negative about my family, but I, I felt like. The way they said, like, you need to see a doctor, it was more so, like, in the interest of, like, my education and my career and, you know, whatever. Oh. You know, it wasn't so much like, oh, we, I mean, they, I'm sure they, they do care. They, they, they love me and I love them. But I, I think it was really more so, like, you're, you're messing things up right now and you need to take care of it however you can. Yeah, so it was, um, le- it was, le- it was less we support you and we're going to get you through this and more there's a game plan here. You're deviating from the game. It, that sounds a little bit more like a, uh, like a little league, like a little league dad type thing of like, what are you doing? Messing yeah. <laughs> that is definitely the more the vibe. Um, that's a bummer. Sorry. For sure. that. No, it's it, my family. We, we have a very interesting relationship. Um, we, the whole dynamic is, I always feel weird, like, uh, talking about it with my girlfriend because she, um, she has one of those, like, picturesque type families. Like, it's like, I just imagine, like, when she goes home, like, they all just lay in a bed and just, like, cuddle and, like, they're all wearing the same socks or I don't know, something <laughs> like this. Just, just, 
and like I go home and it, it's like for going home for like the holidays and stuff. It always feels like, and I hate, I hate saying or even thinking this, but it always feels like something I have to get through versus like enjoy. And super, super glad this is anonymous. Really, just right, just really, really glad. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my. My my mom is super supportive. She's like they're even throughout this whole time, like even before I started college, she never really was like, Oh, I want you to, you know, be an engineer. She was always like, you know, follow your heart, follow what you want to do. We just wanna make sure you're happy and and all all this stuff. And and now even now she's just like, you know, I'm I'm really proud of you. Like if you need more time to go back to school, you know, like don't be afraid to take more time. Um, so the the pressure's never really been from her, I guess. Uh, more so my dad in that aspect. What's going on with the dad? What's going on with your dad? You really, because you really inched up, like even even as you started to, that last <laughs> sentence, even like you slowed down, you were like, it's uh, more so with my dad. Like you, you, you got some dad, you got some dad stuff going on, huh? Yeah, I got some, I got some dad stuff. Uh, he he's he's a he's a complicated guy uh definitely um he but but like it's and i guess i'll put it this way like most i always feel like i'm paying my therapist just so to have somebody to talk about my dad with that's just kind of how <laughs> i feel like our sessions go um but no he He's always really been very much about uh, like three things, like discipline and like having a career and, you know, uh, religion. Like these three are like his main three aspects and like how to live like a good life. And I've been pretty disappointing in all three, (laughs) I think, uh, for him. Yeah, he uh, he's he's super religious, like a uh, super Christian. And uh, I remember, like in in high school, we we got we'd always get into fights because I I didn't want to like go to church, or, or like I'd go and I'd be like, this is this does, this is why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. And uh, those those would happen, and then. He like he was he was super proud and excited when I was you know like an engineer and stuff. But the second things kind of like I, I dropped out, he was not not happy about that at all. Um, I mean, he well, and, and I think that's the the real um, problem is that he doesn't act like he's. It's like a lot of passive aggression um, a lot of the time. So you just have this. Like, I never get like a direct like. <laughs> I am ashamed of you as a son. It's more so like, oh, so you uh, you don't wanna, you wanna go to film school, huh? Okay, well, that's that's good. Yeah. So you just so, have like you have more yeah. of like a low lingering sense of quiet resentment, which is I would yeah, argue, yeah, as someone who grew up Irish Catholic, far more damaging, I would imagine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, like, I don't, 
I don't resent him for if I don't know if he resents me for I but I don't resent him for it because I, I feel like he's he's gone through a lot of like stuff in his life and he's he's a lot older. Like I I have I have like an older dad. He he's turned seventy he's turning seventy this year. Mm-hmm. And um so he's and he's been through like a a bunch of stuff. Uh he came to this country when he was like twenty with like five dollars in his pocket. I mean, that's what he says. He probably had more money. I don't know. <laughs> um, and when you account for inflation, but, that five went a long, a longer way. Yeah, yeah. Fifty years. And, uh, <laughs> where, where, what country was he from? Uh, Peru. Both my uh, parents are from there, um, and they, yeah, they. He he came here and you know worked like all these odd jobs. Like he you know worked. He drove buses and was like a mechanic and really like paid his dues and worked hard. Um, and I, I think when I was a kid, it was a big, like I, it was a big thing to, to point out that like, he had worked really hard and, and done all these things so that I like wouldn't have to, so that I would get like an education and, uh, you know, succeed in like as something more, I guess. And so there, though, like he he always said it that way, but then when I was like fifteen, I found out like some shady stuff that he had done that sort of I guess kind of it didn't negate all the stuff he did, but it made it sort of like ah okay well uh, I found out that he he uh he went to jail for five years. Whoa. Um. For yeah. For um. Again, I'm really glad this is anonymous. Um, he went to jail five years for working with people in immigration and the IRS. So he had like buddies there, and they were printing out like green cards and citizenship papers for for people. And um, he was getting like tons of money for doing it. Uh, I was I was asking um, some of my older half sisters uh, about like some of the stories because he's told me some of them, but. I wanted to know from a different perspective. And I remember one time she told me that he, she drove him to like a warehouse and uh, it was like families there with like packed bags and they had, each of them had like a hundred thousand dollars to give them. And then he just like handed them like, you know, green cards and they were just, they were, they were here. They were officially just here. Wow. And, and was this in yeah. the Peruvian? Was this in the Peruvian community? Uh, at first, it started that way, but then he expanded. I think a little more because I remember uh, he he was talking like one of the kids talking to a bunch of people and he was sort of like bragging a little bit, I guess. And they were they were talking about like he saw all the people he brought into the neighborhood. Um, and I remember once I asked him, I was like, "How many people do you think he brought?" He's like. I don't know, at least like 10,000. <laughs> your, your father, your father brought in, helped 10,000 people get into the country yeah. illegally. Wow. And I got to say, can I just say, so, I'm a, I am far from a Trump supporter. In fact, I would say I am a Trump, uh, a, a, a fear, fearful, if, if not an outright, I, I would consider myself enemy of his, Policies and administrations, but that is a uh, 
that is a number where I bet anyone listening to this who is a Trump supporter just went, wow, that we got, that's some ammunition for our side, 10,000. So, <laughs> so this starts with your dad probably, I would imagine saying like, hey, this is a really hard process and a scary thing. And, and, uh, and there's people with families and lives on the line. And I'm going to help them. But then at some point that takes a turn where he's an actual like criminal kingpin in some sense, right? Is that an exaggeration or is that, that's a, once it hits a couple thousand, this is like a real. He goes from downplaying it to like making it sound sort of like Walter Whitish kingpin style. Like uh, my, my mom always brings up that like he had like a lot of money at some point. Like he, he like in the millions and uh in, in the early 80s so that millions probably like tens of millions i guess and um the only proof of this money is the two closets full of like very fancy suits he owns they're ju- they're just so they're so fancy i mean they're completely outdated but they're just so fancy that he's like oh yeah he did have a lot of money at this point um but he so he did, I guess what the story ended up happening is that he, he brought all these people. And then, um, at some point the police got, uh, caught onto his game and, um, he, uh, he went to jail and, uh, he left for like, he was in jail for like five years and then he left jail and then just started doing it again. Like he just, started doing the same thing he did i guess not i guess he thought like maybe the police wouldn't follow up on again wouldn't follow up on that <laughs> follow up, wouldn't follow say up maybe we should that. check in and see if this guy is doing the exact same thing he was doing uh before yeah so he uh, he, uh and he got caught again um but this time uh he printed out i guess a bunch of different identities for himself and he has like been on the run since I guess in a, in a lot of ways. What um, are you talking about? Yeah, he he doesn't go on planes. Uh, he doesn't have any like bank accounts in his name. It's all like in my mom's name. Wow. Do you think yeah. there's any element like is are you sure that this is in the path? And I want to say, let me say, this caller's anonymous. And if anybody from the authorities is out there listening, that is the truth. We can't, we don't know. We don't know how to get back in touch with anybody. You leave <laughs> us alone, man. So long, this guy could be lying. This guy could be lying just to try to get on the show. You don't know. You don't know. This is entertainment. I, this is I, entertainment customs and the customs and uh, border protection. This is entertainment. This is not real. None of this is real. Anyway, proceed. Yeah, uh, he. So the I guess the reason I found out because like I I didn't know this until I was like fifteen or sixteen. Um, we we moved from where we were living um, to the other place we were living. Now I feel now I feel like I should really, I should release as little detail as possible. <laughs> it might be safe um, to say clam up a little bit on the identifying uh, <laughs> aspects of this very very certainly fabricated entertainment based story. INS. Yes. Um, so we, we moved at a, at a young age. I moved when I was like six, I guess. And I, I asked my parents, like, why are, why are we moving? Like, like little kid stuff, like, all well, my friends are here. And, you know, I, I love it here. Why are we moving? And they said, you have asthma. And I, I was like, okay. I thought that made sense at, at the time. 
because uh, we moved from like a cold place to like a warm place. I was like, oh, I guess temperature and asthma is uh, <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> and uh, and I, I later looked that up. It does the no correlation to that at all. Um, Do you have asthma? I think I did for like a little bit. I don't have it now. I, I did have <laughs> asthma at the time. Okay. And it went away, so it even made sense. Like, I'll be, oh, okay, I guess that that cured my asthma. Um, so we, for years, I, I just thought, like, okay, we just we left for that. And then finally, uh, he told me uh, a part of the story, and then I found the rest from my siblings. Um, and and yeah, he it always it always made sense why he would never fly with us on planes to places, and why um, he had these like weird he used he always used like fake names but i thought it was kind of like a weird game he was playing like a just a, like a a thing he would do like it's a dad thing that, yeah like you grew up all, with all it dads, yeah all dads just use different names when they're ordering at restaurants or you know just meeting new people so imagine he's paying uh, he's not paying so, with a credit card on anything yeah he's off the yeah, grid uh, he's off the grid yeah, he, he's, I mean, I think the, I, I talked to him about it, I think last year, and I think the statute of limitations are, are surpassed now, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, no, for, for years, it's everything just under my mom's name. And like, even when I was filling out uh, my forms to like go to school for the first time and they asked like your, your dad's information, like I, he like, like no, you're not allowed to say anything about me, and I was like, okay, and so now, yeah. he, now he, I would. Here's a huge question. I'm so. It sounds like it's fair to say. I don't think I don't think this is anything you've you've particularly hidden. It sounds like the fact that your dad has some very strict religious views rode you very hard about working hard. That really messed you up on some level, it sounds like. I mean, you said that you can feel like resentment for him when, when, when he considers you from him when 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 uh he views you as failing at something, you can feel the tension that he creates around that. So I feel like there's two angles on this. When you find out about all this stuff, the one angle is like, wow, I get it more now because this guy stuck his neck on the chopping block and did whatever it took so that me and my siblings could get ahead. The other option is you're like, why are you judging me? You're a fucking criminal. I feel like, and there may be both of those happen, but I feel like those are the those are the two avenues I see, and I'm sure it's a much more complicated, layered response. But what when you find all this out, what's your gut? Is it like, wow, this dude really went to any length to to help get ahead? I get why he rides me so hard because he he doesn't want me coming anywhere close to that. Or is it like, dude, you're judging me? Meanwhile making millions of dollars breaking the law is it, or is it both i think it's both actually yeah i i think uh well i think part of the way he um tries to sort of um or tried to like motivate me to work so hard um is sort of like hey look i I did this illegal thing because this at the time felt like the only way i could make it like the only way i could actually do anything um, and then with me, sort of like you're, you're smart and you can get an education and you can do it the right way. And, you know, like do it like that. So I think I, I look at it from that angle. And then I also look at it from just like, 
always it always felt like he was trying to like raise like this sort of the genius boy like oh, this, he he will be the smartest kid in the land and he was gonna be the next Stephen Hawking or something. I remember when I was like seven, he bought me the entire like encyclopedia set of like cardiovascular something. It was like twenty five books, and he's like, "You should look at these." I was like, "I, I don't." How old he were really you? Really wanted me to be a doctor. I was like seven. He like really seven. wanted me to be a doctor. You're like, I was thinking Ninja Turtles, but I guess we can give this cardiovascular medical journal a shot. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and I remember even since then, he would get me, like, I don't know if you remember, uh, what is it? I don't remember what it's called, but it was like, it was before Wikipedia. There was this like program called, uh, not Encyclopedia. It was, it was like a web like computer program. Oh, you know, I, no, nobody knows about this. Or, uh, what was it called? You, Oh, now it's in my head. What was the online encyclopedia in the early days before Wikipedia called? It was... Gonna go ahead, take a break right now. First, I'm gonna remember the name of that online encyclopedia, but more importantly, I'm gonna enjoy uh, hearing about all these different products. I'm, I'm very uh, happy that it's like stuff that's really cool. We'll be back with more call. A new concept in eyewear. Well, that's interesting to me as someone who's had glasses since third grade. Warby Parker believes glasses should be viewed as an accessory, just like a bag or a shoe or a necktie, whatever. But they also make it very easy and affordable to accessorize with your glasses. Their glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. For every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Now look, Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. I am very excited to tell you about this. Their home try-on program, it allows you to order five pairs of glasses. They ship them directly to your door where you can try them on in the comfort of your own home. And that way you go, you walk around, show your friends, your family, go to work, see what people say. The mailman, mailman knocks on the door. Maybe he compliments your glasses. You got five pairs. You know that's the one you got to pick. Now, that is a system that is really incredible and, and revolutionary. No more schlepping to the glasses store and just sweating it out. Which one am I going to buy? It's going to define, literally define my face forever. No, they make it easy. Five pairs, you get the feedback, keep it easy. You try the frames for five days. You send them back using a free prepaid return shipping label. No obligation to purchase. It's 100% free and so easy. A dog or a cat could do it, probably, I would imagine. Although, I don't know if animals have actually mastered the mail system, but again, I wear glasses. We all, anybody out there wearing glasses, you know, it's stressful. You're picking what your face looks like. Head to warbyparker.com slash stories to order your free home try-ons today. Choose the five frames you want to try on, mail the frames back, choose your favorite pairs, then you have your prescription added, and you order. Simple as that. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and free shipping all around. Visit warbyparker.com slash stories to begin your free home try-on experience today. And after you head to warbyparker.com slash stories and you place your home try-on order, make sure you download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes App Store. They built this awesome home try-on companion feature. It allows you to quickly take photos wearing all the frames. You put that into a video, you share it with friends and family, help you pick a winner even if they're not there right in front of you. It's an incredible system. It's such a cool thing. Check it out. What does it take to be a real schmuck? Filmmaker and comedian Jesse Conwheeler finds out by interviewing some of the most hated people on the internet, including tech bro Martin Shkreli. 
and the woman behind the Dear Fat People video. Hear how Jessie tracks down these notorious characters and what they have to say for themselves in her new show, Schmucks. Find out more about the show and hear the trailer. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash schmucks. That's stitcherpremium.com slash S-C-H-M-U-C-K-S. Let's go ahead. Let's finish strong. What more? There's probably more revelations to be had. Let's hear them. Beautiful Anonymous. Oh, now it's in my head. What was the online encyclopedia in the early days before Wikipedia called? It was... Oh, this is going to drive me. Encarta. Thank, yeah. thank Encarta. you, Jared. There you go. Encarta. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. yeah, no. Okay. There's a long chain of people who had to pass each other the phrase Encarta on that one. Thank you. Encarta. Oh, that would have driven me nuts. Yeah, okay. Anyway, you were saying about Encarta. Yeah. Like every year you would get the new Encarta and would like make me sit there and just like try to learn as much as I could from I had like a daily like hour sessions of Encarta. It was, it was a lot. Um, so I, I think, I mean, and I, I did like uh, a lot of stuff that I saw on there. Cause I just, I was just, I've always been like prone to like math and science and that that's, kind of why I thought I wanted to be a civil engineer to begin with. So it, it made sense. And then I guess I just realized like, that's, that's not what I wanted to do at all. Actually, I actually picked my major, like specifically civil engineer. Cause I asked my best friend like the day before uh, having to submit my application. I just asked him, I was like, what do you, what should I pick? And he was like, I don't know. You civil engineering. I was like, all right. And I, I just picked it. And, and then you're working in a Tampa uh, water plant, which relates to civil engineering. And you're like, hold on. I don't give a shit about how to adjust the water quality of the greater Tampa metro area. Why am I doing this? You have that moment four years later. Yeah. I will ask I you, how come, the water in, how come the water in Florida smells like deviled eggs? I do want to know that. <laughs> Has that sulfuric... Um, a couple reasons. It's, uh, <laughs> the way, <laughs> no, it's, it's a couple, it, cause I, I actually didn't notice it for a long time. Uh, but coming back from like New York to Florida, like there's very, there's like a real, and, and that has more to do with New York than Florida. Like New York is the only city on earth. I think that has a triple filtered system, um, in Hell multiple yeah, like locations. Hell yeah. Croton they're, Reservoir. They're, Croton Reservoir, one of them. Yeah, they're there that that system is guarded like the White House. It's crazy how like it's, it's intense. I took a like a trip there once. Um to the Croton so, Reservoir. Yeah. My wife grew up in that area. When we visit her mom, we sometimes go hiking around up there. It's beautiful. But you're right. They're not messing around with the access to that water. Like you can get to certain places no. and they're like, yo, they might as well put up signs that are like, you should fuck off now. Like they really like it's like it is it is lock and key. <laughs> Sorry, Sal. So no, the water uh I remember I went to because I didn't work directly at the plant, I worked at the water uh, resource like building in, in the city. So well, we took trips to the plant sometimes and um from what I remember is that they uh their filtration, like, I'm going to get real nerdy here. Uh, the, the sulfate process that they use, I guess, is, I want to say outdated. Is the, it's, I think that's the only way, because like, I've been, I see a lot of other systems, like in Michigan and in uh, Flint, 
Um, <laughs> other... I was going to say the notoriously uh, on point <laughs> water systems of Michigan, national news. Yeah, yeah. Not Flint. The caveat, the per- parenthetical, not Flint. Okay, continue, continue. Yeah. <laughs> That uh, there's, they, I mean, they just just by the way the plant looks like it's way more updated than the one in like specifically Tampa, Florida. I'm just speaking from Tampa, Florida, not yeah, other yeah. parts of Florida. Parts of Florida might have beautiful water system treatment plants. <laughs> my dad um, actually, my dad is like a water treatment expert. My dad, if my dad's listening to this episode, this is like his favorite one ever by far because he's got a PhD in environmental science and water is like, he loves talking water systems, filtrations, sulfites, everything you're saying. I've heard my dad talk about this stuff. Loves it. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, uh, my dad's like dream it. life is your nightmare. <laughs> my dad's life is your night, nightmare. So did you say you want to go to film school now? I heard you mumble something about film school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, I, I just need to finish a degree I just need to finish. And I think this is like, I, I do a lot of writing now and I, I think that's maybe up my alley or the closest thing to what I want to actually do. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm just going to try to finish. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, like I don't, when you're, I don't really know what else to do exactly. Like when I don't want to be an engineer and I don't want to be a doctor. Uh, so I, I, I guess I'll, I mean, I like making, I make films with my friends all the time and I like writing and I, I think, I, think it, I got a piece of advice thing. for you, man. Cause this, all right. my dad, really good guy. My dad never funneled tens of thousands of people into the country illegally. I'll tell you that. And that's not to say your dad's not a good guy, but I'm coming going to, I will say there's a comparison between your dad and my dad, which sounds like they are very, very hardworking people who expected a lot of hard work out of, out of me and with me and my brother who are, my, me and my brother somehow both became these like artsy weirdo punk kids. And I think my dad was just like, like we might as well have just been like, like, like early on, I think he was like, what is going on? But there is one thing I can say from my life that might help you out here, which is because I, I feel like there is this like nervousness. Your dad, you're so close to the civil engineering degree, he would have been more proud of that. But I know one thing that happened with me with comedy is when my dad realized that I was going to work as hard as he did at what, you know, at what I did, I think there's a basic level of respect that translates there no matter what because it translates there because hard work is hard work. And at the end of the day, because he did, there was one time, there was one time my dad talked to me. He's like, are you sure? Like, this stuff seems hard. It's completely unpredictable. There's way too much luck involved. Like, you get a corporate job and there's like goals and you see and you can work your way up a ladder and you see other people working their way up the ladder and you see what they do and you do it even better. And then you go up the ladder. And I was like, it's just not for me, man. It's just not for me. And I think he was like, He's never, it sounds like your dad's a lot harsher than mine was, but he definitely was like, all right. But when he saw that I was ready to like work as hard as he did in his track, as, as I, was, I, was, I was as willing to go that hard at my thing, there was a respect there. And I give my dad so much credit for that. Give my dad so much credit for that. And you want to hear something that was super overwhelming that I've never talked about publicly? Yeah. There was one time, so my, when my dad retired, they moved out of Jersey and they hired moving companies. We're not a, my dad's not a crazy person. He's in his you know, 50s, 60s, you know, 60s at this point. Like He's not going to move all his stuff five hours away. 
but there was like a last truck's worth of stuff that, you know, the movers didn't get or it was small or whatever. And he's like, can you come out to Jersey, help me pack up the truck? My mom's already moved. It's just me and my dad. And we went out for dinner and, you know, long day of packing is a hard day. We're lifting stuff. And uh, at the end of the day, he just quite, and my dad and I, great relationship, but not an emotional relationship. Like we're on the same page about how we feel about each other, but we never express it. And he just said to me, he just goes, uh, he's like, you know, and this blew my mind. You can imagine, he goes, uh, he's like, I'm really, I'm pretty jealous of you, man. I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, you've never taken money in your whole life for something you didn't totally believe in. And I wish I could say that. And that like blew my mind. And I was like, I'm really jealous of you. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because you were, you came from nothing and had a mortgage and two kids by the time you're 27. And I never... I never knew how hard that was until it wasn't hard anymore. Like, I never knew that we had it kind of rough until we were in the woods. You never let me know that. You just, like, handled your shit, raised your family, got it done. And it was this point of mutual respect when I was, like, in my 30s, and it was so trippy to hear. But I bet, I don't know. I don't know your dad. Your dad sounds like a harsh dude. The religion thing adds a layer to it that it seems like a... I mean, we haven't even had time to talk about the fact that to be an ultra-Christian and also criminal, there's some hypocrisy there. There's more layers. <laughs> yeah. But I bet, yeah. I bet if you work your ass off at, at, at your film school, at your writing, at your art, I bet if you, like, show him you're going to work 18 hours a day on that stuff, I bet at a certain point he has to go, you know what? Proving me wrong, man. I bet he has to. There's no way to avoid or ignore hard work. There's no way to ignore it. Not if that's all you care about. I I I I believe you. I actually think I was, I also I really appreciate that. I think that's that's true. I think I mean I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, like I haven't really updated him in sort of like what my next moves are. Kind of been afraid to, but I sort of feel like I could do that. I bet if you said to him, I don't know, man. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I bet he would really. I bet there's a part of him that would have to like respect it if you were like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I know it's not what you were hoping for, but I'm going to work 100 times harder than you can ever imagine at it, and I'm going to work a lot harder at it than I would have worked if I wound up in the civil engineering life that I hated. Not that, you know, there's a lot of people, civil engineers, a lot of them are great people. They build our bridges and our roads and all that. It's just not for me. I was going to phone it in. I was going to spend a whole life being vaguely unhappy that I did this thing that you would have loved. I wouldn't have loved it, but I'm going to go for this other thing, and I'm going to work 100 times harder at it than I would have at that. So you don't have to love it, but I'm going to make sure you respect it, man. I don't know. I'm not trying to give you a movie moment with your dad, but I bet you could say that to him, and how's he going to, how's he going to ignore that? And you also can say, hey, don't, don't judge me. Uh, don't judge me, Peruvian community Heisenberg. How about that? You can also say that <laughs> if you want to go down that road. He's actually seen the there's a Spanish version of Heisenberg of the no, of Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah, it's like a have you, have you heard of this? No. There's oh, a I, Spanish I have. Version. Yeah, I have. It's produced in Mexico, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like Walter Blanco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Cielo Blanco, which is Sky. Uh, so it's like Skyler. Yeah, um, and then. And but they just give Jesse a, just a different name. They just like this call him something else. Literally. Yeah, that's um, cool, man. He loves that show. <laughs> yeah, I bet he does. I bet he does. <laughs> Reliving his glory days. Is there any part of you that thinks he's still doing some shady stuff or no? No, no. He, um, I think it's 
he's he's really put that stuff behind him. He after after he you know um, sort of ran us all out of the state. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> he like started his own like small business, and he's been working with that ever since. Um, so it, it's all been actually he so. This is another thing I found out that, so the, the whole reason he met my mom was that he had like a business, like a made up business that was the front of the whole thing. And my mom was the secretary for that business. And, um, she like, you know, they, they fell in love and et cetera. And he brought like her family here to this country, my, my grandparents and, um, sisters and all this stuff. And, when um when everything kind of fell apart uh, with you know him going to jail and then coming back and uh, he turned that business to like a real business now it's like a real a real thing that he runs so I guess I was kind of lucky I guess wait there you I'm I'm his business now also in, involves helping people get here but just legally is that what no 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 it's it's a it's it's a completely it's like a traveling company oh that's well, cool like it's yeah yeah but it's like a real business now. Nice taxes. Yeah. He pays taxes and whatnot. Doesn't have to pe- yeah. doesn't yeah. have to meet people in warehouses who give him a bag of cash. No more of that. No, no, none of that anymore. That's cool. My, my sister always jokes that like she's slightly angry that he didn't like hide any of the money. Like because like when he went to jail, like <laughs> yeah. they, they froze all his assets and everything was gone. Like my sister was just like applying to college and like oh. with promise that like he could. <laughs> and then, yeah. Have you and your sister ever like, uh, pried up the floorboards or, uh, poked the, poked the ceiling <laughs> tiles in the basement? See if there's a duffel bag up there. You ever checked? No, no, we have not. We have not. Uh, how, that would have been the first thing I did. The, his first day in the Hooskow, I would have been up in the rafters looking for that duffel bag. Uh, that that just shocked me that there was no actual like plan, like a backup plan. It was just we're gonna do this and ride it out. Just I will say this: I am going to I'm going to say every single person listening to this right now in unison is thinking, "Dude's got cash in the attic. There's cash. There's hidden cash. There's hidden <laughs> cash somewhere. You don't just you don't just not have the. And maybe it's buried under a tree." You might find it. Maybe one day you'll get a treasure map when he's on his deathbed, where he says, "Here's your inheritance." It'd be like the black, like Shawshank. Look for the black rock by that tree. But that cash oh, exists. Man. Also, can I say? I'm going to say an off-topic thing because I live in a neighborhood yeah. that has a pretty sizable Peruvian community. I live in the most diverse neighborhood in the entire world, Jackson Heights, Queens. I'll say this: I don't know much about my Peruvian neighbors, but as someone who enjoys the many restaurants my neighborhood offers. I gave up meat about a year ago, and I'm mad. Nobody can cook chicken like a Peruvian restaurant, huh? Oh, man. Peruvian chicken. And what is up with that green? What is the green sauce? You might be able to answer one of my life's great mysteries. What is the green sauce? Do you know the green sauce? I don't know what it is. I know what it's called. It's called ají. I don't know. Ají, and there's different kinds of ají. There's ají verde, ají amarillo, which is just literally the colors. Um, Ooh, the green sauce is like addictive. I would drink a cup of the green sauce. It's, I mean, and there's also, they're based in different things. Like some are based in uh, the actual like water and then the, the peppers and some are based in like, uh, I think mayonnaise or something. But yeah, I don't know. The sauce is dope. The sauce, I 
Nobody. It's just yeah. if you have never had Peruvian roast chicken, I'm telling you, roast chicken sounds like such a basic dish. You will you will sit at the end of that meal with a smile on your face, feeling like this is why restaurants were invented. There's a restaurant, Northern Boulevard in Queens, P.O.P.O. The sickest. <laughs> My dad, like whenever. Whenever he's in that area, that's like his, his go. He's one of his go-tos. He goes to Pio Pio. The fucking kingpin <laughs> rocks out at Pio Pio. The king. I bet when he walks in, they kiss the ring. I bet they kiss the <laughs> ring. I bet <laughs> he because that he must have been right in the in the Hispanic community wherever he was. Based, and again, we're not going to reveal too much. He must have. People must have known. Like, was he like a folk hero? You think? Whenever we would go to. I'm not going to say what city, but a city in uh, Jersey, like he would be saying hi to so many people, like, like restaurants. And I don't remember always getting like free food all the time. And I would be like, oh, that's really cool. I guess like these are old friends or whatever. So I I know there's something there. Wow. There's something to that. A lot of people want to shake the hand. A lot of people want to give a gift now that they're up on their feet, huh? Oh, speaking of Jack's Night, there's one restaurant I would, if I can just recommend. Please, it's really good that's there. all I want. Uh, all I want is restaurant. Right? Peru- my, my neighborhood's the best for food. Uh, there's, a, there's a Peruvian restaurant called Urubamba. Urubamba. It is Urubamba. It's super good. I highly recommend it. Have I been there? Wait, yeah. do they serve a lot of fish dishes? Uh, I mean, yes. Yeah, ceviche and, you know, the, the whole, and they the might, whole, like. Uh, have you ever had Lukuma Lukuma no. ice cream? Lukuma, oh man. Lukuma so ice cream That's my is mom's the most, favorite. The Lukuma ice cream is the most delicious shit. I went to Chile and they have these fruit. You know, there's South American fruits, very, very expensive to get here. Lukuma and Chirimoya had those in Chile for the first time. Blew my mind. And Lukuma ice cream is the best stuff you'll ever have. I'm so psyched oh, that we're okay. talking. How do I spell this restaurant? I'm going to spell it right now. U R U M B A. M B A. Urumba. And do you know where that? I'll look it up. Never mind. I'll look it up. We got a minute. We got a minute and a half left. I'm asking for restaurant recommendations. But, <laughs> oh, here's another thing. In Woodside, Queens, there's a restaurant. It appears to be like your average New York Chinese restaurant from the outside. You know, you can, everybody knows the mm-hmm. classic icon. You go in, it's actually, I didn't know. Apparently, there's a large Chinese community in Peru. It's a Peruvian, huge, huge. Peruvian Chinese yeah. restaurant. They got the takeout chicken. It makes me want to eat meat again, talking about this Peruvian chicken. Because the Chinese restaurant is yeah, like a takeout it's, place. They just, it's there, and they just hand it to you, and you're like, oh, this took 35 seconds, and it's the best chicken I've ever had in my life. Chifa, that's what it's called. So good. Uh, also recommend it. That's the Chinese-Peruvian sort of uh, like cuisine oh, that they, they make. Oh. I'm glad... Uh, that I'm glad that I, I hijacked your a beautiful call about family, about growing up, about standing up to your father, about hypocrisy, about all these things. I'm glad I ha- hijacked the last two minutes so you could give me restaurant recommendations in my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm very sorry about that. We got about 40 seconds left. No, what is the closing message, my friend? Great call, uh, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep trying my best and – you know, family is everything. Yeah, man. I, 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 for better or for worse. Yeah. And yeah. dude, um, you've been through some tough times. I'm really glad you kept fighting. Thanks, man. I'm going to keep fighting. That's good. That's good. Uru Mba, find me there, man. Say hi.
Urumamba. Yeah. Urumamba. Wait, what? I had the name wrong. I had the name wrong. How am I going to find it? We're dropping the call. Urumamba. I'll listen back. Caller, thank you so much. And again, again, I'm so sorry. You are on such a roll, revealing so much. And uh, I hijacked it to talk about chicken. And I'm going to go to Urubamba. We looked up Urubamba. I was mishearing. I'm going to go there. And thank, again, I'm so sorry that I hijacked the call. But uh, but I needed to talk about that chicken because that place P.O.P. It's no joke. Anyway, thank you so much for the call. And again, you've been fighting the fight. And it's really cool to hear. And so much stuff that would confuse anybody. So thank you for sharing with us. Hang in there. And, uh, and for real, huge thanks. Also want to thank Jared in the booth. Makes the show happen. The Reverend John Delore and Greta Cohn who set the whole thing up in the beginning. Shell Shag for the intro music. Also, thanks to Harry Nelson coming on strong with all the social networking strategy lately. Maybe you noticed the new Butte Anonymous Twitter. If you want to know more about me? ChrisGeth.com. I'm trying to get on the road um, more towards the end of this year, so always keep your eye on that website for tour dates. And if you like Beautiful Anonymous, please do rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps so, so much. We'll be back next week with more of your phone calls. Guys, thanks again for listening. And and look, if you have an extra minute, please go to beautifulsurvey.com. Take a very short anonymous survey about today's episode. It would be a really big help to the show. I personally would appreciate it. Again, that's beautifulsurvey.com. Very, very quick survey. It'll help the show. I'd appreciate it if you did it. Thanks so much. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, guy tells us about a... About all the things that happened behind the scenes on a cruise ship, including which crew members he fancied the most. When you're single and playing bass on a cruise ship, it gets, it gets pretty crazy in that department, huh? If you wanted to. If, yeah. Well, first of all, you can mess with the passengers or the guests, as we call them. That is like really, really no, no, no. Even as the bass player. Because of lawsuits and stuff like that, that is like the biggest... Obviously, it gets broken, but I didn't ever. Because, to be honest, I was more interested in the Romanian waitresses. They look much better than the people that go on cruise ships, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to any of our listeners who are cruise enthusiasts. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. It has worked! Now, gentle listener, you are enraptured by the voice of Usador the wizard, for I have cast a spell upon thee that shall force you to listen to the ad at the end of this podcast. Thank you, Usador. We're here to let you know that you should listen to our podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern, a serious study of what it's like to be trapped in another dimension, although you might just think it's an improv comedy podcast. <sighs> Sorry, I'm late, guys. Here we go. If you're going to lay down, you might as well lay down on Casper No, 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 John, John, we're not doing that right now. We've only got a couple seconds to let listeners know about our podcast, where I interview wizards, unicorns, and goblins, and wedding planners. If you love fantasy stuff, you'll love this podcast. If you hate fantasy stuff, who the f*** are you kidding? You're not cool. What are you listening to? Oh, I'm a comedy nerd. I'm a better than a fantasy nerd. Mm-mm. And now you are released from my spell. Return to your life and listen there again to the end of a podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. Listen from the beginning or just jump into the most recent episode. You'll get it. It's not The Wire. Earlobe. 
This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.